This is Hair Therapy, cultivating the conversation around hair and scalp health. I am Kate, your host, and as a hairdresser, educator, and a trichologist, I am obsessed with all things hair. Whether you're interested in optimum hair and scalp health or have a hair or scalp condition, we have expert guests who are specialists in their field on a variety of different treatments and solutions, along with inspiring real-life stories. Perhaps you're looking to support someone who's had a hair or scalp concern, or you're a hairdresser who would like to know how to better support their clients. I am here to provide knowledge and information to help. Think of this as your very own audio resource library for you to pick and choose what is useful to you. I'm so glad you're listening today. Let's navigate hair health together to learn and grow. So welcome. Today I have with me Sienna. She is an amazing inspiration to everyone. She has suffered hair loss due to chemotherapy treatment since she has been very young. She is now 10 years old. She is a fighter with a positive attitude and always has a smile on her face. So welcome and welcome to her mum, Laura, who would like to share what it's like to live with childhood hair loss and illness. Hello. Hello. You're right. Hello. Thank you so much for coming along. So first of all, tell me a little bit about how has lockdown been for you? How's the last year or so been? and annoying I want to see my friends and play them at the park oh and you can't see your friends of course you can't yeah that's very annoying I'm at school yeah and that's not where you want to see them is it no no so tell me a little bit more about yourself and your journey tell me what's happened um do you want to do it sure okay so Sienna was diagnosed with leukemia when she was three we were told that her hair would fall out quite fast once she started the treatment, and it did. We lived at the Marsden for three weeks, and then when we came home, the hair started to fall out pretty much straight away. You had really ringleted hair, didn't you? It was super, super curly, and it all just matted to her head, so I couldn't even like get a brush through it because it was so dry, where obviously the chemo and all the drugs just tore all the nutrients out of her hair, so it matted. So I, can't, I think we were just laying in bed together, weren't we? And I just you said, just cut it with scissors. And I said, shall we cut it? And she was, you were just out, like, you were just so drugged up, weren't you? You didn't really know what we So we did. She laid in bed because she didn't have a lot of energy then, did you? And this was when she was three? Three, yeah. Mm. And then treatment was two years, two months. But once they go into like a karma phase, which is normally about a year into it, they go into a maintenance phase, the hair... Um, starts growing back because it's not as intense chemo so in the beginning they're on infusions for like four hours once they move into the later part of treatment I had to give her chemo at home every day and then she'd have chemo injected into her spine uh I think that's once a, once every three weeks once a month that was and a lump so she'd have a lumbar puncture so they'd inject the chemo into her spine and then take fluid out to check there wasn't any cancer cells in her um, spinal fluid and then, yeah, and then the hair started growing back, didn't it? So she had hospital chemo. That was once a month. That was called Vincristine. And that didn't really affect hair. It wasn't such a big dosage and it was only once a month. The hair started growing back. Sometimes it would like thin out a little bit. But that is when it really started growing back, wasn't it? And it grew yeah. back very fast. So that was probably what when you were about four or five? When you started at year R, you had like a little pixie crop, didn't you? 
Mm. Yeah, I've got a picture of you, and you have like a little mm. pixie crop in year R. So how old are they in year R? Like four or five, aren't they? Uh, yeah. So yeah, it was stuck. Yeah. She was. I can't really. It was a, like a short pixie crop, wasn't it? There wasn't really much there, and like a few people were mean to her. But like boys were like, "Why have you got short hair?" And weren't very nice about it. But it grew very quickly. Yeah, you're lucky. You've got lovely hair. Yeah, so... I was going to say, though, how was that for you, having to go into school with short hair? Because at that age, most of the girls wouldn't have that short hair, would they? Yeah. You were quite calm about hair loss, weren't you? You didn't really... I I think it was harder for us, like, as adults. Because for me, like, that is what you see as a cancer patient, like a bald person. That is automatically, as soon as you see someone with hair loss, you think, mm-hmm. oh, they're going through chemo. Like, it's just the sign, isn't it? You think that someone's got cancer. So I think we found it more traumatic than she did. She couldn't, yeah. she wasn't bothered at all. And because you live at the Marsden and all the other children abroad, it isn't like they all look at each other and they're all just like, but yeah, school was, I, I, there was two boys, wasn't there, that were quite unkind to you. Oh. Don't name them, no. Oh. We can't name them now. If it's six years later, hopefully they've learned from that and got a bit nicer. I'm friends with one of them now. Yeah, she's friends with one of them now. Yeah. He's a nice boy. But they, I think they just said, didn't they, like, why have you got hair like a boy or something like that? And it's hard because when they're so young, they don't really know, do they? So I suppose it's a bit of inquisitiveness. They just don't really know how to put it nicely. Yeah. Anything different is yeah, a bit I, weird, isn't it, to them? And I feel like the school probably could have done a bit more on educating them and saying to them, like, mm. Sienna is poorly and she's lost her hair. And that is why she has short hair. But I don't know if there was anything like that done or not. I don't really remember. No, there probably wasn't also. Surely it would have made it easier if they had done that. Yeah, because, I mean, for her, that was quite an uncomfortable. I remember you coming out and saying to me, these boys are being mean to me about my hair, saying I've got boy hair. And I was like, it's fine. Like, who cares? Like, people have pixie crops. Like, people have them by choice. Like, (laughs) don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah short hair was cool. When I worked at hairdressers, every they made me cut my hair. <laughs> so, Sienna, have you spoken to anyone about this before? Have you ever spoken to anyone about your hair loss before? Um, me and Olivia, like, um, Olivia's my friend. Best, yeah, Olivia's your best friend. Yes. Um, I talk about it sometimes because she has a condition too. And her granddad's poorly with cancer, isn't yeah. it? So Olivia likes to talk to you about it, doesn't she? Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Well, that's really it. Oh, that's really nice that you've got a little friend to confide in, though, and talk to about that stuff. Does it make you feel better? Um, I don't really care, to be honest. You're quite past it now, aren't you? Like, yeah, in treatment, care. you wouldn't really talk about stuff, would you? No. No. But now I talk, about, I talk to anyone about it if they asked. Yeah. Do you think you are making Olivia feel better when you talk to her about it? Um, I don't know. I ask how her granddad is on I think it does help her, but I don't. I don't think it makes a big impact. I think it probably does. Because it probably does, but she doesn't show it. Because she asks you about chemo and stuff, doesn't she? And about yeah. hospital appointments. Because I think her granddad has to have lumbar punches too. Yeah, yeah, that does sound so hard to to have, especially when you were so little. That sounds like a lot to have to go through. Me. You loved lumbar punctures, didn't you? Yeah, like anything medicine. <laughs> she used to go with sleep sleep. Ah, the drugs. She loves yeah. it. She liked getting put to sleep. She was like, is it sleep sleep this week? And I was like, yeah, it's sleep sleep this week. And she was like, oh, I get to sleep. I was like, yeah, they're going to freak out. <laughs> did, you, did you have funny dreams? Uh, we watch Minions and Peppa Pig sometimes. Oh, yeah, yeah, they don't in the operating theatre, what you wanted on to go to sleep yeah, to. I wanted to watch Minions most of the time. Yeah. 
Pepper was another one used to make them put on. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was just Pepper, wasn't it? And and the minions. Yes. Yeah. So that's quite sweet though, isn't it? That they're trying to make it all nice for you. And at the Marsden, you just know everyone, don't you? Because you're there so often. You know all the nurses, you know the like anesthes anesthesias. That's the right word. Anesthetic people. You know the third, you just know them all. So you kind of like when you go there and you even like now when we go for checkups, we'll sometimes see the nurses and they're like, Oh my god, Sienna. Like they're so excited. I bet they're so pleased to see you. So well. They love it. And it's so nice to see them. And Sienna was diagnosed. We went to Maidstone Hospital with like a purple dots over her back. And then we got taken to Pembury. And the lady that diagnosed Sienna at Pembury actually worked at the Marsden before. Mm-hmm. And then she was our consultant the whole way through. So we've the lady that diagnosed her now has been our consultant like the whole way through, which is so nice, isn't it, having Nikki? Yeah. She's so lovely. I love her. Oh, I made her some origami. I made her shirt origami. Oh, fancy. You always make a little present, don't you, for checkups? Yeah, every time. That's nice. How important do you think hair is? Uh, I mean, I like having long hair, but I don't you want to cut yours off, don't you? But I won't let yeah, you. I want it down to my shoulders. You're still not overly bothered about hair. Mummy said in the summer I can do it. Yeah. We can't get stressed with it. Yeah, and it's easier to wash. That's what I want it for. Well, maybe soon. Maybe when you go secondary school. So is there anything that you wish that you'd been told or that you'd been offered? Well, I guess, Laura, you probably would know more than Sienna because she was so little. I know you said you feel like the school could have introduced it better to the other students. Is there anything else that you wish, maybe even when she first started off, that you'd been told or that you'd known? Or uh, Not really. Like, the, the master are amazing. Like, they fully prep you before you go home for everything. Like, there is nothing, no stone is left unturned. They tell you everything you need to know. So they'd given me, like, a timeline of when her hair would fall out, so I was totally prepared for it. They sent us information to go to carpenters in maystone to get a wig fitted from the princess trust so they arranged all of that for us or click sergeant did i can't i can't remember who it was but yeah i don't really i feel like parents and school could have done better i mean i know it's quite like a rarity to have someone in your class that has cancer when they're a child but it's not really but it does happen it does happen like People always go about how rare childhood cancer is, but it's really not. Like, if you go to the Marsden, you would be devastated by how many children are there. It's not rare as people seem to think it is. Um, so, yeah, I think in that respect, and, like, we used to go out when she was little and she didn't have hair and she didn't really wear a wig. You didn't really care, did you? She, is it a bit annoying to wear your wig? Yeah, she, yeah, it was itchy and you just didn't like wearing it, did you? Yeah. We just used to buy silly ones, didn't we? Yeah. So we bought pink ones, blue ones, clown ones, afro ones, like just fun ones that we just thought, do you know what? Your hair is never going to look like this. Like, let's just buy fun ones. We bought like a blonde afro, like a 70s wig. Yeah. Beautiful. And it looked so cool. I loved her hair before it fell out. And I loved it. She hated it. So she quite liked the fact that she could take it off and didn't have to have it brushed because she used to hate me brushing her hair when it was curly. But yeah, you didn't, I think people used to stare quite a lot when she was bald and she didn't care. So she wouldn't wear a hat or a wig and would go to the shop. And it was crazy. The people that stared were always like middle-aged people. And I thought if anyone knows better, it should be you. Yeah. And they would get like sympathy looks from elderly people, which I didn't mind as such. Children didn't really look. It was always middle-aged people that would either make a comment or just stare at her. And I was like, you are very inappropriate. Wow. 
if anyone should know about what could potentially be wrong with her, you would know. I just feel like it was quite hard, wasn't it? Like people no staring. You you did say stuff to me when you were little. You did. I used to ask me why people were staring at you. There's other people that I've spoken to where they've had hair loss that have said the same kind of thing. If you're only wearing a wig to make other people feel more comfortable around you, then don't do it. If you don't like it and it's uncomfortable and you actually are happy with who you are, then, you know, let the other people stare or have problems with it because that is their issue, isn't it, really? That's what we used to think, yeah. Like in the winter, she'd wear a hat because obviously she'd get cold. But yeah, in the summer, I'd, sun lotion obviously used to lather it on, on the little bald head. Yeah. But we used to call it like little egg. Like we used to make jokes out of it. You did look like a cute little egg though. And then my, yeah, my sister's, uncle, yeah. My, my si- uncle is bald as well. My sister's husband, well, fiance, is bald and chooses to be bald, shaves it. Oh. So we used fiance to call them the two little eggs because we were like, they look like two little bald eggs together when they used to sit on the sofa together. Oh. And she liked that because he was bald. So she was like, well, Chris is bald, so I don't care. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Like, I'm glad you feel like that, that Chris is bald, so it's fine. But like what you said, like a lot of people I feel like wear wigs because they just don't have the confidence because people make them feel that way. How sad is that, that society makes people feel that they need to be conscious of themselves when they're going through the worst possible thing ever? Ashamed. Like, either way, if you've got hair loss, you're going through something quite traumatic, aren't you? Because either way, if it's alopecia, you've got to the point where your hair's falling out because you're so stressed or you're so under the weather or whatever causes alopecia for you. Or you're a cancer patient. Like, why would... I just don't even look if I see someone. I just don't think anything of it. And I think for me personally now... From studying hair loss and from seeing so many people, if I see a woman now who's really thin or who's got no hair, all I think is good for you, good for you, yeah. turning up like that and not trying to hide it and kind of going, this is what I look like, That you know. Yeah, I agree. And that's why I was liked about Sienna, that she didn't care. One thing I used to struggle with, though, was going to the Marsden. And because I've got so much hair, I used to tie my hair up because I used to feel terrible. Because, like, all these poor little children that didn't have any hair, and there's me with, like, my Pocahontas locks. <laughs> I was like, right, I'm tying my hair up. I'm wearing a bun. Like, I feel awful. But all the children, Sienna used to say to me, you are not cutting your hair, mummy. Because she used to play with my hair when she was bald. Mm. Still does it now. Like, as, like, a comfort thing, she would play with my hair in hospital. So I never cut my hair. I was going to, but she was like, please don't, because I want to play with it. Mm. And, like, the other children used to be like, you have princess hair. I was like, oh, like I hope that you don't feel like you're not a princess because you don't have hair. Hmm. Kids do take people as they see them, so they probably wouldn't, as much as you think, be jealous and upset that you've got hair and they haven't because they'll just be like, well, that's her and this is me and that. okay. But you just think about more things. Like when you live that life, you are more aware of stuff. Like when they used to fast for the lumbar punctures, none of them could eat and they sometimes won't go down to surgery till like one, two o'clock in the afternoon. So out of solidarity, like none of us would eat. We'd all be in the waiting room together and no one would eat because we were like, how can we eat in front of these children that can't eat? Well, yeah, you can't sit around, no, can you, going, mmm, I'll just have my lunch. And they're all like, oh. And they used to get get so hungry, didn't you? I bet. They used to get so hungry because they're tiny. (laughs) Just keep drinking your saliva. You can't have anything. And they get up at six to get to hospital in London. And they're on high dose steroids too, so they're starving 24-7. Yeah, and your body needs it to fight everything off, don't they? They need the energy. Yeah. Steroids, I think, were the main impact. <laughs> you used to wake me up, didn't you, like 3am, 
can I have a fry up? I was like, <laughs> tired. <laughs> oh, did you do it though? I did do it, yeah. She's a lovely mummy, isn't she? How can you not? Won't be long and you can do it for mum, can't you? A couple of years can make her a fry up. She doesn't even let me in the oven. No, I'm let very... Alone. I'm in the microwave. Not yet, in a couple of years. I am the ultimate helicopter mum. Yeah. <laughs> She's out the front and I'm like, don't talk to anyone you don't know and stay in my viewpoint so I can see you. She's literally on my drive. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, I can't see you. Don't go there. GPS. Yeah, I'm terrible. Might as well get a GPS on my phone. Might get one in your shoe. She's probably got one in your bag already. Yeah, you can get them in trainers, can't you? Yeah. Mm, no. So, what advice would you give to anyone that is experiencing hair loss right now? Um, I would just say, don't care. I don't care. I just wouldn't care. Do you think that it's made you more resilient and more confident? Yeah, you don't know what resilient means, right? Um, like tough. Okay. Um, I don't know. I think it has made me nicer. Yeah, I think it's made you uh, like more aware of the world and like what happens to people. Yeah. I feel like a lot of children are obviously sheltered, aren't they? But Sienna found out at three how hard the world actually is. So I feel like you're definitely more socially aware too, aren't you? Like she can read people's emotions. I feel like a lot of children don't read emotions. You say I'm not socially aware. You're not spatially aware. Oh. <laughs> Terrible for us. Trips me up all the time walking to school, cuts me up. I go flying. <laughs> she has no spatial awareness, but social awareness. Do you think it's made you a more caring person? She's pretty good. Like, she can pick up, like, she'll say at school, like, someone's upset. And the teacher says to me, like, she will pick up that someone's upset. Like, none of the other children would ever notice. Unless they're, like, hysterically crying, no one else would pick it up. But they would say, like, Sienna will, like, go and comfort them and ask them what's wrong and check they're okay. So I think it's definitely helped you. Um, probably. It's made you grow up, hasn't it? So yeah. you're more, like, adult-minded. I'm scared to jump off things and most children wouldn't think yeah. twice about it. That is something I've found. Yeah, but is that because of the helicopter parenting? Uh, no, I let you climb on climbing frames, don't I? I'm yeah. like, go for it, see what happens. You should be fine. <laughs> she <has a> <laughs> yeah, I'm terrible. I'm like, let's go and do this. And I'm like, actually, for an adult, that is not something I should be suggesting to go and do. And Sienna's like, no, thanks. No, I then, and then she's like, yeah, let's do it. And then I think about it and I'm like, oh, that was really not clever. Falling <laughs> over. You're normally fine though, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think that is the sad thing, though, isn't it? Any child that I've ever met that's had to spend a long time in hospital, they do have this kind of almost like adult awareness that other kids don't have. Literally, yeah. And they talk to adults on their level and discuss things with them. It's just they've got that different social skills, haven't they, than most kids? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. She's very adult-like, like she's very sensible, like, Children at school do really stupid stuff, like they were drinking hand gel. And she was like, that's really dangerous. I know, I love that you called them out on it. (laughs) It's brilliant. And she's very, like, yeah, she's very sensible. (laughs) Yeah, and emotionally, she's very emotionally mature. Like, she can sense, like, if I'm stressed, she's like, mummy, why are you stressed? When she's got a checkup, I the day of, I'm quite anxious. And then I turn better. And then she's also like, mummy, it's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. And I'm like, okay. And then we play Ice Bites. Yes. On the journey. Well, mostly I make her play bowling on the iPad. Not when I'm driving. And I'm <laughs> So you also do some work for charity, don't you, Sienna? What do you do? 
Lemonade stands. Wasn't amazing this year for Corona. All last year. But um. But you have done it. It was fun. Yeah. yeah. What have you done? You've done. You dyed your hair when it grew back. Yeah, I dyed it. Pink. Yeah. You had too much hair. We've done the lemonade stand for a few years running, haven't we? What else have we done? I did no selfies thing, didn't I? Wow. I didn't take selfies for a month. Yeah, that was horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing you, Laura, as I do. That was a feat. Yeah. Well done for that. I thought that'd be the best thing I could do. And then we did the last bucket challenge a few years back. That wasn't for that, though. That was for motor neuron disease. It was fun. Still for charity, though, isn't it? Yeah, did that. But the lemonade stand is mainly what we've stuck to doing, isn't it? Because it works so well. And then since I was a child, I got water. Yeah. Special. But yeah. If you have enough cut off your hair, you can give that to the Little Princess Trust, can't you? That's what you wanted to do, wasn't it? Just give them some money. Give them some hair. Yeah, but eventually. Yeah, I'm saying eventually you can. I think for me, like, she doesn't care. But for me, because I'm like, hair is so precious. Like, I know that sounds really weird. But because she didn't have any. And now it's so beautiful and long. And I just think. Keep it. Like, it's precious now. Like, why would you want to go? And I remember when you were bald, you used to be like to me, I'm going to let you blow dry my hair every day. I'll let you wash it all the time. And then as soon as it got to, like, bob length, she was like, leave me alone. I was like, you promised me that you would let me dry your hair nicely and wash it. She was like, I lied. But that is something she used to say all the time when she was bald. I promise you, I'll let you do my hair when it comes back. Mm, It's easy to say when you don't have any. And she doesn't let me do her hair either, do you? You're not very good. Like for school, I'm like, let's do a bun, let's do a French plat. And she's like, no, I'll just do a low ponytail. You don't ever let me do fun stuff with your hair, do no, you? I don't like. We'll be back after a quick break. Are you a professional in the hair industry? Do you feel confident addressing clients' concerns around the hair and scalp? Would you know what to do if your client began experiencing hair loss or had to go for chemo? Would you like to support your clients mentally and physically through troubling conditions such as hair loss? The Hair Therapy Hair and Scalp Salon Specialist course will make you a standout industry expert, enabling you to navigate these difficult conversations and elevate your level of client care making all your clients feel well looked after and in the hands of a knowledgeable expert. This one-day unique insight into the world of trichology will help you raise your standing within the community and offer your clients more. For more information, visit my website or check the link in the show notes. Let's get on with today's episode. Because when we get home, I'm the one who has to take it out. I'm the one who has to go have a shower. Oh, it sounds awful. Struggles of a 10-year-old. Yeah. Washing your own hair. <laughs> so much. I mostly get in my eyes because so there's any bubbles left coming out of my hair. Yeah. And then I get soap in my eyes. Okay, I'll wash it for you tonight. <laughs> Ready back to school tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, and she won an award, didn't you? Your auntie nominated you. Perry's accountancy, they do award ceremonies. And she won, I think it's the most inspirational person, I think it was, that she won for all her fundraising. So we did like an awards night at Leeds Castle, didn't we? Yeah. It was amazing. So she won. Wow. How old were you then? Eight? Yeah, I think so. It was pre-corona. <laughs> and you went to Leeds Castle and got an award? 
I remember it was pretty poor and I could slide between seats and then I got stuck between two seats and it was really bad. And we were allowed to sit together, so it was definitely pre-corona. And how did you feel then when you got your award? Um, uncomfortable. You was a bit shy, weren't you? I don't like She did get a bit embarrassed. I don't like But you deserve it, though, because you've done so much stuff. I think we've raised about £4,000 in total, haven't we? Yeah. All the fundraising. Wow. So, yeah, the Lemonade Send was definitely the best thing we did money-wise. and. Obviously, we put all our, well, I put my money into it. Sienna obviously doesn't put her money into it. So, yeah, we put all our own money into it. Because it's on the front garden, it's just a day, so it's fine. Like, if there's a quieter bit, we can go inside for a bit and then go back out. But that is how we found to raise, like, the best money-wise. And it's quite nice, like, where we live, like, it's... Nice. Everyone knows Sienna, and I think they're just, like, coming to support her, really. And, like, my friends all come down from Maidstone. So my friends come down from London just to come and see her and donate money. So that's always nice. And Sienna, you do enjoy the lemonade stand, don't you? Yeah, it's fun. And we do like the cakes. We And then we did candy floss one year, didn't we? A lovely lady rented us a candy floss machine. Yeah, I love that day because I went around Katie's place giving everyone cotton candy. And then we were all sugar high. Yeah, a company in Kent lent us their candy. <laughs> so that was really nice. And we did that. That helped because that was like another like 50p a candy stick thing. But yeah, I think that is the best way for us to raise money. But obviously yeah. Corona has just kind of ruined it a little bit. If you set up a, a lemonade just giving page or something. Yeah, we sometimes do that because some people can't travel. So some people are like, I want to mm. donate, but I can't come. So we do like a just giving page and then we do the thing too. I came up with an idea to do an Easter egg hunt in the village, but they had to pay to get like the scavenger sheet. But it was Sienna's birthday on Easter Sunday. So I was like, there is no way I can do this and this at the same time do one in the summer I think just because obviously corona is still very much around yeah it's hard isn't it so I was just trying to think outside the box now fundraising wise of what we can do oh well you've done so well I just think like once you get into the oncology world you find out how little is actually done for the children in the last 70 years they're still using the same drugs for children whereas adults have had like massive developments loads of different drugs have been tried and used and children are using the same drugs they've been using for the last 70 years wow. like their bodies are tiny and they're putting such toxicity into them yeah and it doesn't like they have a lot of side effects so sienna touchwood this year it will be her five-year mark and she will then go into the late effects clinic where she's monitored to see if she has any late effects she's got a heart echo coming up in october they have to check every five years like the heart just monitor their hearts and check that chemo hasn't obviously affected anything to do with their hearts because it can and steroids too steroids can have like a really terrible effect we made friends of a girl who has to have a hip replacement at 15 because steroids just like eroded her hip muscles she had to have both hips done actually Jeez. yeah and what I only found out last year about the hip replacements is they only last a certain amount of time oh really so she'll have to have it done again when she's a bit older yeah yeah she's only 15 I'm pretty sure Especially if she's only 15 and she's going to continue to grow. Yeah. She'll probably need another one at some point as well in her life. She won't have one that will last her for like 70 years, I don't think. That's what I found. Like when Sienna started to get her hair back, people assume that she's all good now. Mm. Like even in treatment. And then it stopped. Yeah, I I feel like the novelty wears off of a lot of people. Like, but and checkups, people are always just quite blase about them. Like, I know it's not their life, they've not lived it. But a lot of my oncology friends say the same, like as soon as the hair comes back and the children start looking healthy, everyone just assumes they're good. Obviously, we were still in treatment when our hair came back, so we still had a year to go. 
of like emos and stuff mm. and I remember what she was in a pram and someone made a comment saying that she was too old to be in a pram and why was she in a pram and I said well she had three chemos this morning so she was a bit tired she just looked at me and I was like don't judge love because you have no right to say anything about why my child's in a pram because you don't know why she's in a pram she's in a pram because she had three chemos this morning people are very judgmental and I do struggle with that considering what the world we live in I think more so with children, though, yeah. because I think if you saw an yeah. adult with a cane or a walker or in a wheelchair, you wouldn't go, why are you in a wheelchair? Get up. You're only 35. And because I was quite young when I had Sienna, I think a lot of people probably just looked at me as a young, lazy mum and just thought, oh, she just doesn't want to deal with the stress. And I was like, no, actually, she's tired. Mm. <laughs> and once someone made a comment because she had two loaves of bread to feed the ducks and some woman was like, two? Oh, someone's fire. I was like, no, she's not been out for three months because she's been in, having cancer treatment. And she was like, I'm so sorry. Yeah, but also it's bread costs 50p. It's not really spoiling someone, is it? Spend a pound. And Moat Park is humongous. And there's loads of ducks. Yeah. It's the ducks that are spoiled. But she actually apologised and was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I was like, hopefully now you'll realise. There's been times that I've washed my hands before Corona life. Like I would anti-back my hands in the shop and some man laughed at me and was like, oh, go on OCD. I was like, I've not got OCD. I've got a cancer patient that I'm looking after at home. Who's laughing now though? They feel so awkward. But he's doing it now. Yeah. And I was like, good, I'm glad you feel awkward because you're rude. And we went for dinner once, didn't we? After you had a checkup and the bar lady asked Sienna while she wasn't at school. She's like, why are you not at school? I was looking after my sister's baby, I think, holding him. And then the lady, and then my sister's the lady. Well, she actually had been to an oncology clinic today having a checkup. So that's why she's not at school. And the woman ended up bringing us like free ice cream and free drinks. I was like, cheers. A side of judgment with your meal today, anyone? No, that's what I can't understand, like how judgy people are. Like cancer is rife. Like we all know, like one in two people get it. We all know that it's out there. So for people to be so quick to make judgments, it like blows my I would never ask someone why their child wasn't in school. I did another episode with a lady who is now a semi-permanent makeup artist. And one of the reasons she learned it is because when she had chemo and lost her eyebrows, she wanted to go and get um, microblading done. Yeah. And people judged her for that. And they said, oh, vain. that's a bit vain, isn't it? I just And she said, I just want to look like me. Yeah. I don't understand it. Like, I'm so chill. I'm like, do what you want. Like, get covered in tattoos, shave your head, wear all the fake tan you want to wear, get lip fillers. I don't care what you want to do. Like, you live your own life. So what is it of anyone else's business, what you do? Wear a wig, don't wear a wig. I don't mind. But like you said earlier, I just wish people felt comfortable enough just to rock it and be like, I am actually surviving a life-threatening disease so I don't care if you think that I look like an idiot don't encourage the attendant actually you're a bit of a superhero aren't you Sienna so I think I think people not even children like anyone going for cancer treatment like they've got enough on their plate they don't need people passing judgment when they're literally just trying to survive and that is it isn't it they're literally trying to stay alive and people feel the need to pass judgment on hair like who cares I know that says me with like Pocahontas hair but (laughs) (laughs) my hair is my confidence though which makes me feel like silly but you know like some people have like a crux my hair is mine like it it makes me feel it's a talking point too isn't it like people are always like oh Oh why did you get hair extensions done and I'm like nowhere it's mine I've had people like put their hands in my hair and like feel for like tracks and stuff and I'm like no it's mine But it is, you know, a lot of people, again, that have gone through hair loss have said your hair is part of your identity. Yeah. So even if it's not a bit of a crutch or 
a real part of you. It still is part of your identity, the same as any other part of you, you know, your favorite color or what you like to wear, or it's different if you suddenly said, I feel like a change, I'm going to shave all my hair off. But when someone literally says, you are going to lose your hair and that's it, it, it's much more difficult to kind of come to terms with that because it's not your choice. I say we both have slight control, not issues, but we both like to be in control because when you're in treatment, you lose so much control and you have no control over anything. Like you get told when your appointments are, you get told what treatment you're having, you get told how long it's for, you get told you can't go out. Where to go. You're not allowed out because you're in isolation because your bloods are too low. So Sienna definitely, not in a bad way, she's not like a madam or anything, but she definitely likes to have... You like to know where you're at. Yeah, I think it's hard when you've had like no control of your life because obviously then she had to recover. So like technically like three years, she had no control over her life. It's really hard as a child to be told you're going to have all these things done to you and you've just got to roll with it. Like there's nothing you can do about it. So definitely now, not control freaks. We don't like to feel like we're not in control. Mm. You definitely. (laughs) In a good way. Yeah, she's definitely not a brat with it. And I completely understand how she'd feel like that and why she wants to feel like that. So I don't ever, it doesn't bother me as really. Apart from when I tell you to do something, you won't do it. (laughs) <laughs> I don't want to do it. It's probably like clean your room. Yeah. yeah. Who does? Yeah. And I'm chilling out. You're like, go fetch my makeup wipe. <laughs> <laughs> I never say fetch. <laughs> <laughs> so when Corona hit, it didn't really phase us. Like lockdown hasn't phased us because we've done it before. But I feel like so many people were suddenly germ aware. And I was like, mate, I've always been like this. I won't touch public bathroom door handles. I won't touch doors. I will use my elbow or my foot. Like, I've always been quite germ aware. So I don't, we haven't really struggled with lockdown, have we? I think we've quite enjoyed it, really. Not feeling like you have to go and do stuff. You know, sometimes you agree to going out and then it gets to you and you're like, oh, I wish I hadn't agreed to do that. Now you're like, sorry, pandemic. Literally, I'm like, sorry, I don't feel comfortable going. (laughs) All we want is a trampoline park to open. Yeah. That's all we want. Are they not? I thought they were. Oh, we'll have a look later. I know part of it is that it probably has borne her character doing it. But I think to a certain extent, you're lucky that she had the character she had to go through it. Uh, because I think she's coped pretty well with... Pre-treatment, she was like an absolute nervous wreck. Like, she was terrified of everyone. Lovely. She used to hide behind me, like, would go to a shop and like a security guard would talk to her and she'd hide behind me. Every single preschool drop-off, she would hysterically cry and go crazy. So she had to kind of just get on with it. I think it actually helped shape her as a person, to be fair, treatment. Because she is very different to how I remember her as like a two, three-year-old. Well, Sienna, you're amazing. And I'm really glad that we got to talk to you today. Thank you. I hope you get a really good result when you have to go and have all your checkups. And I hope you get into your next phase. And I really appreciate you talking to me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Laura, as well, for your time. Bye. You're welcome. I really appreciate it. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Hair Therapy Podcast. Please share this show with anyone who you think might benefit from it. Don't forget to rate, subscribe and review the show. It really helps me grow and reach more people. Until next time.